possibilities. The Palace Theatre, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace, your palace, your place. Waterbury Palace Theatre, your palace, your place. Friday morning. I'm so happy to be here with you all. Um, it's a beautiful day. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. I'm Sherry Marcucci, your host for the next 15 minutes, hosting Your Palace, Your Place, a presentation brought to you twice a month by the Palace Theater in wonderful Waterbury, Connecticut. And we have a chock full show this morning. Some great surprises for you. Some of you know them already, but wonderfully entertaining guests. So I'm going to get right to it and start by introducing our first guest. But I want to remind you, stay tuned for this whole show because there's a big treat in the second half of the show. So without further ado, I want to welcome in studio Diane Plock, the administrator of the Arts and Culture Collaborative Waterbury Region, and all also, the self-proclaimed Queen of Arts, <laughs> Diane, thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you, Sherry. It's always a pleasure to be here. Always fun. Thank you. And also online with us is a gentleman who is going to talk about an upcoming event that we're doing with a company called the Flying Ivories, and that is Brad Alexander. Welcome to your Palisher Place, Brad. Hi, how are you? I'm we- I'm great, actually, and rearing to go. And I want Diane first to talk a little bit um, and tell the listeners about this upcoming event that's happening on November 14th at Vine Restaurant in Middlebury. That is a, a fundraiser and networking and just fun night out, really, for anybody. So, Diane, talk a little bit about what's what's been being planned. Okay. Basically, to start with, it's two performers, entertainers, on two pianos, delivering an all-request rock and roll sing-along. So, it starts at 5.30 um, with complimentary beer and spirit tastings during the first hour. We have Counterweight Brewing Company lined up Ooh. and Litchfield Distillery are oh. coming to uh, allow... Thank you, our, Jack Baker. Yes, <laughs> and to allow our guests to do some tastings along with some hors d'oeuvres for the first hour and then the dueling pianos of... Um, by the Flying Ivories. Okay, let's stop for a minute because the dueling pianos. So, Brad, Flying Ivories, dueling pianos, not everybody necessarily knows what that is. So can you fill in our listeners a little bit? What what is this entertainment all about called Flying Ivories? So so dueling pianos is an uh, all-request, totally interactive sing-along where the audience picks the songs that we play. It's two piano players on two pianos singing and playing the audience requests. And it's a much more sort of rock and roll tradition than the kind of uh, show tune piano bar tradition that you'd find, you know, in, in, in New York City. Okay, so people kind of get into the spirit of this. I know I've I've experienced this myself, and um, it's really a fun event for people to kind of, you know, with their friends, bringing groups, 
of people, perhaps coworkers, and you're around you and your colleague who are taking requests. That's exactly right. Now, so so we have in the company about thirty or so players uh, that we unleash on uh, on the Northeast every weekend in about 17 bar shows around the region and uh, private events as well. We play weddings, we play corporate events, we play fundraisers. We do hundreds of fundraisers. And anytime we do one, we're thrilled because of course, raising money for a, for a great cause or a great organization is always a, always a plus. And so at any ACC is a great organization, by the way. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. We're, we're thrilled to be, and, and honored, frankly, to be uh, to be performing uh, for this event, and so you'll see any number of our players be- uh, on stage at one of our shows in Connecticut. We've got four around the Connecticut area um, in our bar shows, but um, we, you know, on a on a on a Saturday night, you you'd have you know you, you, we might have three bar shows cooking uh, in Connecticut, and then three or four weddings that very same night. So we. We have a large stable of players that are always out there performing. So you guys are very, very busy, and I know that um, you you are kind of a tri-state company. Diane, I want to find out from you, like this was your brainchild. You kind of had this in your in your head that you wanted to do something of this nature. Why was that? Because I saw the Flying Ivories perform at one of the bars that um, Brad is talking about, and we had so much fun. And I contacted them. I um, put a tip in the jar with my business card, and the next day I got an email from Brad's associate, and we started the talk about this because it was just so much fun. People get so engaged. Um, You can make song requests and put a, a, a tip with that, and Brad could probably talk to that a little bit more, but as we sure. do this for um, our event, um, those tips for the song requests will come back to ACC. Nice, and it makes perfect sense to do something where there's performance. It's uh, based, entertainment-based, because the Arts and Culture Collaborative Waterbury Region is um, certainly embracing not only the performing arts, but all types of art, but to, to do something fun and let people's kind of creative side come out. And I've seen people just, you know, around the pianos. I know the two piano players are kind of dueling with one another, trying to top each other, but then the spirit of it in, in, gets imbued in the, the participants, and that's what makes it fun. Yes. That's exactly right. That's, if I may jump in. Sure. That's, that, that what's, what's wonderful about a fundraiser, is that we can take the, the, the traditional bar show model, which goes all the way back to Pat O'Brien's in New Orleans, uh, and then uh, Alley Cats in um, Dallas in the 80s, where the, where, the, where the dueling format really sort of um, crystallized. Uh, the, um, we can take that format of, of an audience member wanting to stop a song and outbid a song. So, for example, if I'm playing a country tune, a Garth Brooks country tune, and, and for five bucks, and somebody says to me, and the audience comes up and says, audience member comes up and says, hey, I don't want to hear that song anymore. Here's 10 bucks to stop it. I, I'd, like, I'd rather hear some Billy Joel. We can <laughs> take that. that to a fundraiser format where the stakes are far higher 
and someone might say, I don't want to hear Garth Brooks. I, here's $100 to Billy oh. Joel. Ooh. And the audience is really driving the show at that point, and, it, and it, everybody feels good about it because, of course, 100% of the, uh, the jars go to the uh, cause. Absolutely. So, and Diane, um, we have been working with Vine to provide uh, not only, um, well, we've been working with Flying Ivories to provide the entertainment portion, but also there's some, um, it's a nice spread you've planned, or we've planned, I guess. Yes, and, and Sherry's saying we because Sherry is on the committee helping us plan this event, and I really appreciate her her help with that. So at Vine, um, we will have hors d'oeuvres, and you'll get to taste their hors d'oeuvres and a pasta station. As I mentioned, the complimentary beer and spirit tastings to start with, and then after that, it'll be a cash bar with a signature drink. And the tickets are only $45 each. For a night out like this with entertainment and food and beverages to and, start. And three hours of nonstop entertainment, right, Brad? That's, that's <laughs> right. We don't, that is one of our, our uh, we're, we're very proud to boast that we do not take a break. Mm. It's three straight hours, unlike, a, you know, a lot of bands that take breaks, understandably, musicians have to rest, but because we have, piano players one can cover while the other plays so we the music never really has to stop that's great well, non-stop action i love that and i think people who are looking it's actually a party think of it as coming to a party it's a thursday night november 14th uh it's you know the weekend is starting to embrace us and what better way to let your hair down start to sing and singing has many health benefits did you know that (laughs) (laughs) it really does it helps our our mental health it helps de-stress and i think that and 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 brad you probably know this but um you know, something like this is a way for people to begin to unwind. We all work so hard now and, and fast, and we live in a fast-paced world. And this is a way to just say, I'm having some fun now. Good, clean, good-natured fun. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. Get, to have that fun, you want to get a few friends together. And for um, a limited time, we have a chance to reserve tables of four or eight you can do that by calling the ACC office at 203-757-0701, extension 316, or going online on our website, and you can buy tickets right there, and it's got the breakdown of how much the reserve tables cost and the tables of four cost or the individual tickets, and the website is waterburyregionarts.com. And we made it so simple now. It's, I mean, a click and you can buy your tickets and reserve your special table if you want for a little bit of a upcharge. Yeah. Thanks, thanks to Bonnie Sharon, our uh, membership and marketing associate Absolutely. at ACC. She's a, she's a whiz at setting those things up. And I do want to thank um, Ion Bank is one of our piano sponsors and I really want to thank them for their generosity. They've um, shown their support to us before, and um, we appreciate it. And we are looking for a dueling sponsor for the other piano. Yeah. But in the meantime, um, we also um, got a commitment 
from Thomaston Savings Bank for at another level of sponsorship, and we That's really fabulous. appreciate their support. They're too. great. I mean, all all of our um, sponsors, and you know, we all kind of go after some of the same people for different things. They're always they always step up to the plate for the community, which is really wonderful. Um, Brad, I want to ask about so what is the repertoire? How wide is the breadth of what you know a, a person attending can expect you to be able to play? Great question. We, we, we cover pretty much everything. We like to joke around that we, we say uh, we play anything, and then we, our little mantra is no show tunes, no slow tunes. Uh, but that's not really even true. In fact, it's sometimes the audience will get us in a duel where it's, it's you know, some, some Celine Dion power ballad versus uh, a, a Disney song like Let It Go or something. You know, we, we, we love getting into those fun battles, but really we cover it all. We, it's from everything from, from rock and roll to, to po- contemporary pop, country, metal, hip hop, you name it. And our players are really extraordinary. I think that is the, the thing that, that, that we're most proud of is, is our talent. Uh, our players run the gamut from uh, Broadway performers to Las Vegas, They've played all over the world. Many of them play on cruise ships. Uh, and um, wow. they're just ex- outstanding musicians in their own right. In fact, on our uh, website, flyingivories.com, not only can you get a preview of the show uh, and catch some of our videos, you can go to our players page and really see who we're talking about. The bios are really great reads, and you'll see that... Um, and Brad, we're gonna I'm gonna interrupt you right here because Please we wanna do. play a clip so to give yeah. the um listeners a sense of what it is they can expect. So um Tom, just cue the clip and we'll rock out. Oh my goodness! That Did you sounds s- I mean, like if fun. You, if you could see us in studio right now, we were having a good old time rocking <laughs> out to that. Brad, this is going to be just so fabulous. I want to thank you for being a guest this morning, and I want Diane to just say a few quick last words before we say, um, "Stay tuned for our next segment." So, Diane, what, what I just, parting words? I just want to encourage people to buy their tickets if they're interested in seeing this and seeing the Flying Ivories perform dueling piano on November 14th. It's a Thursday night starting at 530. It's going to be fun. Get a couple people together, get your friends together, but get your tickets soon. They are selling and we have reserve reserve tables available till October 25th and tickets will be available after that, but you might not be able to get a reserve table. All right. Well, Diane, thank you so much for being a guest this morning. Thank and you. And we're going to take a quick musical interlude. And WATR has been gracious to allow us a commercial-free uh, show today. And our next guest is coming in studio. And you don't want to miss this interview, so stay tuned. Uh-huh. 
hair Those eyes that knocked me to my knees Don't look at her, they find out They'll laugh at you for sure What's it matter? She's not one of us And you're just out of your head If you think that this ever could be And you were just listening to a musical uh, clip from the upcoming show, Coming to the Palace Theater, opening Tuesday evening, October 27th, A Bronx Tale. And a little bit later in our show, I have a real treat for you. We're going to be talking to the creator of A Bronx Tale, Chaz Palminteri. But right now in studio, I have a wonderful uh, person that I've uh, had the pleasure of just getting to know over the last... uh, short period of time, actually. She's actually a colleague of mine at the Palace Theater, and I want to welcome Jillian Celentano. Thanks, and good morning. Good morning. And Jillian is here for a special reason. Um, Many of you who are uh, regular listeners to your Palace, your place, know that we have a series that began last year called Second Act. And Second Act is a a series of storytellers uh, telling a story about their life, something significant that happened after the age of roughly 50 in the second act of their lives. And so we had a wonderful series last year and, and started again this past this season for this season we just launched uh, last month and Jillian when she was hearing about it last year approached me when we were looking for people for this coming season and said I'd like to tell my story and you have a very compelling story the title of her presentation is called Stranger in the Mirror and Jillian I'm going to let you tell our listeners what your story is, you know, in kind of sound bites. If you want to hear Jillian's full story, you you should hurry and purchase tickets to her presentation on October 29th at the Palace Theater for our second act series. So, Jillian, what is your story? Well, I think um, I truly have a second act going on here. Yes, you do. Um, I guess you could say the first act of my life I led my life as somebody who I wasn't, which was male. I am a transgender female. And I tr- transitioned pr- probably about almost four years ago. Let me just stop sure. you for a second because many people today, we're hearing this. We, mm-hmm. you know, Caitlyn Jenner, of course, is who most of us can say, okay, I have a touchstone. I know about this because mm-hmm. of that, about her transition. Um, but we don't all understand it um Mm -hmm. and so i give i just give you so much credit for not only wanting to tell your story to and i think that's that's what you said to me Mm -hmm. you want to help people understand exactly exactly and this is why you know many transgender people may just live a life in stealth and just be you know they just want to go on with their lives but my path was different. My path was to educate and bring awareness to the community who do not understand transgender people. And um, the main thing is we're just like everyone else. 
unfortunately, society and politics and religion kind of skew that up. Um, so I'm here. If I can make anyone's life easier, one person's life easier, then I felt my journey has been complete. But this is my path. I'm an advocate for this amazing community, which I love and adore. And I, um, yeah, I, I can't shut up, which you'll find out at the palace. <laughs> I'm just going to talk and talk. Well, you know, and I think in you, you're, we're, we're laughing about that. But the fact is, it is in communicating. It is in having a one-on-one. Um, and although we're on the radio right now, we're mm-hmm. radio is a very intimate medium. So we are talking one-on-one to the people listening. And, and, and you're saying, don't look at me as a, somebody, a freak or odd. I am a human being. Well, I always say that being transgender, that doesn't define who we are. Right. We're a mo- that's just one tiny percent of who we are. You know, we're, 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 we're brothers and sisters and mothers sons, daughters, and, mothers. Uh, we're, that's who we are. Yes. Yeah. So when, when, when somebody says to you, I don't get it. I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. This, you know, how do you respond to that? What, what is, I mean, and you're human too. You have mm-hmm. feelings. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure sometimes you might feel upset or angry or sad. Right, right, of course. And yeah. that is one of the hardest questions when people ask me, well, how do you know? How do you feel? And first of all, I have to really, really make sure I let you know that this is a real thing. This is not gaining attention. This is not a phase. This is not someone is just trying out or just doing this just because, you know, there's nothing else better to do. This is a real thing. Um, Gender identity is how you feel. Okay. So for me, my brain and my body never matched up from as long as I can remember. um, I was always felt and identified as female. So let I it's remember, an innate feeling is right, what I'm trying to say. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching a, a, um, a segment or a, a special. It's going back maybe, I don't know, eight, six, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think it was on ABC. And it was about children right. are, who are, they hadn't yet transitioned. And, it, and the interview was with the children and the parents of this. It st- mm-hmm. stood out so much in my mind because all I kept thinking as I watched it was how heartbreaking to 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 know that what I appear to be is not who I am and the struggle for the child and the the heartbreak for you know I'm a parent as a parent to watch and know your child is is in this pain right. of not being accepted or being able to not even except not being able to be who they are. Right. Um, what do you remember about being a child? Wow. Um, you know, that was the thing. It was, for me, it was survival every day, one day at a time, because I could not be myself. I had to pretend. I had to act as somebody as I wasn't. As a little boy. And, oh, right, exactly. Yeah. And all that does is isolate you. And depression, it leads to depression, anxiety. There's nothing good about it if, if you cannot be yourself. So I was very um, introverted, withdrawn, 
just had did you talk? Did you were your parents aware? Did you talk to your parents about that? I mean, I didn't. One time, I said, "Oh, I like girl stuff" or something, and I was told, "No, you don't." In a kind of in a shameful way. Um, so, and yeah. I was very, very shy kid, and I would never bring it up again. It mm-hmm. really, and I, I'm talking around probably age of six or seven, and mm-hmm. it affected me, and I never ever brought it up again, and I just oh. hit it. And so in school, mm-hmm. what were your experiences like there? Again, very introverted and withdrawn. Yeah. I, I pretended, I, wa- I acted like society wanted me to act, my friends wanted me to act, I was, and I did all the guy stuff. So you were, okay, so, so you weren't the kid that people were teasing because no. they suspected your... No, I hid okay. it. I was afraid. I had to... Wow, had to how act. exhausting is that? Well, that's the thing, and I will definitely get into that. And yeah. the talk is yes. the energy yeah. that it takes to not be yourself it's unbelievable. And we all, we all drain, our energy always drains, yes. but you still need to be on. Yeah. So what do you yeah. do when you have no energy yet you need energy? Yeah. What happens? It's very wow. difficult. Wow. And that is, Jillian, that is so, um, that's unbelievable actually that um, yeah. you would go through life. So, and, and it wasn't until you turned age 55. 55 so all yeah. along the way, now, did you have, um, uh, dating relationships? Did you ever marry as a male? I did. I did. I dated plenty of um, women, and I was married twice. Um, oh. As and yeah, I thought that was going to cure me. Yeah, you know, you're, yeah. you're trying everything, and oh no, that just did not end well. And so I tried, but it just was not working. It comes to a point. It came to a point where. I had to make a decision. Yeah. Basically, right. if I was going to live or die, either I'm going to stop this or I'm going to live like who I am. Wow. Simple as that. Holy mackerel. I mean, that, I can't, you know, people listening and, you know, you may have your own thoughts or whatever, but mm-hmm. to walk around for 55 years, mm-hmm. right? Because that was the age you went through the tra- your transition. Right. And and knowing in your head this is not who I'm who I am, and I'm putting all this as you said energy mm-hmm. right into being somebody else, being fake basically, and so you decide to have this 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 um, surgery. Once you finally made that decision, that and and maybe the day you woke up in the hospital after you, I don't know what the process is and I don't want to give your whole story away, Mm -hmm. but it must've been like, Oh, 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 I'm discovering me. Yeah. I mean, I'm letting me out. (laughs) Well, believe it or not, it's not exactly like that. Okay. It's a slow process. When things are done, it still takes your mind to catch up with your body. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And so it's a it's a continuous process of your transition is a continuous process and it's a growing every single day. You just grow and learn new things and accept new things about yourself. So, yeah, yeah, it's not just a one aha day. Yeah, it's just a continuous, continuous learning okay. um, experience. But it it is amazing when you like I always say I lived more in the last four years than I've had in 55 years. Well, and I don't regret it. It happened. I can't change it. But I'm telling you, I am living life 
to the fullest every day, every minute. Well, that you're I being can. genuine. You were yeah. you were being like a fake person. Right. And almost like I was probably, living in a coma. And I, I was not mm-hmm. robotic exactly, but in some sense, because you were going through the motions of what other people expected of you. Right, right. And holy man, I can't even imagine I mean, that. Right. If I just said, um, tomorrow, you have to start living as a man. You're a man. Yeah. And that's it. And you have no choice. I mean, I don't think, I don't think you'd be very happy. No, I, I certainly I mean, wouldn't be, be happy. Mm. Um, Jillian, you have decided now. So I said, I mentioned earlier, you're a colleague mm-hmm. at the palace yes. and you work at, for our front of house staff mm-hmm. and um, you're, you're, you're very well respected. I know you worked in another venue as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but you now have, you're, you're taking another career path what was your career previous i mean um i was in real estate and before that restaurant i owned a restaurant and then i was in the real estate business okay before i transitioned okay so but now you're Mm -hmm. studying actually yes for a new career exactly since my transitioned my passion uh, has awoken and at 58 years old i returned to college to pursue my master's in social work to become a therapist, primarily for transgender youth and the transgender population. Because especially trans youth is where my heart lies. I mean, if you have to, I interned at a um, clinic called the Yale Gender Program in New Haven. Yes. And this is a interdisciplinary clinic for kids ages three to 25. And I've met some very young children, parents who are supportive, you should see them. They're blooming. They're blossoming. They're so happy. Parents who are not supportive or one is what it isn't, not so much. Struggling. Oh. Um, just horrible things. How heartbreaking. Horrible things. And you, you always would support your children. Of course. You always would. You, you would. One would think, but as a parent, sometimes our own expectations, um, you know, kind of supersede that. And we're talking to... Jillian Celentano, who is going to be our presenter for our second act series on October 29th at the Palace Theater here in Waterbury. Uh, She has a compelling story to tell about how her second act, uh, she she got familiar with the stranger in the mirror, not a stranger um, now um, after her transition um, to a female. And Jillian, I, I just, my heart... I just want you, I think it takes tremendous courage to do what you're doing, to be in front of your colleagues, to tell your story to the world. Thank you so much for being here. If you want tickets to uh, hear Jillian's presentation, please call the Palace Theater, palacetheaterct.org, 203-346-2000. We're going to take, thank you, Jillian, we're going to take a quick, again, a musical break, and then we're going to have our special guest this morning, Chaz Palminteri, the creator of A Bronx Tale. Three years ago, Chaz Palminteri, Robert De Niro, and Jerry Sachs teamed with an eight-time Oscar winner and a three-time Tony nominee to create a new Broadway musical, A Bronx Tale. AM New York hails it as a combination of Jersey Boys and West Side Story, A Bronx Tale. Coming to Waterbury's Palace Theater October 22nd through the 24th. For tickets, go to palacetheaterct.org. Am I 
And we are back with Your Palace, Your Place. And I'm Sherry Marcucci, your host, and I'm just thrilled to have with us this morning on the show a, a, a legend, actually, Chaz Palminteri, the creator of A Bronx Tale, which is coming to the Palace Theater October 22nd through the 24th. And welcome, Chaz Palminteri. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. And thank you for um, just taking the time. How thrilling was it for you just now as you're listening to music from your mm. own story? It's it's always exciting. You know, I mean, Bronx Hill has been part of my life, obviously, for all these years. It, it started as the one-man show in 1989, which I've still been doing for the past 30 years. I still do it at the big theaters. And and then, obviously, the, the movie, the great movie uh, directed by Robert De Niro, and then the musical with Jerry Zachs. Uh, and Alan Macon and Glenn Slater. And so it, it's just an incredible journey, and it just keeps on just uh, showing people that the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And, you know, it's amazing. People come and see it, and they stand up and cheer at the end and they cry. They're crying and cheering at the same time. So oh, sure. it's very exciting. I bet. And, you know, I know this is autobiographical, of course. That's, you know, if you know anything about the show or the movie or the one-man show, you you know this. This has turned into your child, your 30-year-old child that um, you have nurtured and uh, just brought to this level. But my question is, what prompted you to begin the process with this show? What was it? You're a storyteller, obviously, at heart. Right, yes. Uh, Yes. The musical, the process of the musical? Well, what prompted you to, to, to create the, the story, uh, A Bronx Tale, the one-man show? Oh, well, it started from me sitting on a stoop when I was nine years old. And I would watch all these wise guys on the corner constantly all the time. And, they, and there was this one guy in particular who, who I would watch, but he would never really pay attention to me. Or, you know, he was obviously in his own business. And then one day, I, these two cars were fighting over a parking space right in front of me, literally six feet away I was sitting on my stoop and one guy got out with a baseball bat because they were arguing he took out a bat he smashed the window of the guy trying to come in behind him and this guy got out his face was covered with blood and the guy tried to hit him again and then the other man's friend came over to protect him and shot him and killed him and I mean literally right in front of me and I, I just was staring at him and, and he stared at me and it, looked, it was, felt like time stopped and the next minute I knew my dad had me by my arm and dragged me up the steps and and then the cops came, and they knew that I was right there. Everybody said the kid was there, and mm-hmm. uh, but I refused to identify him. And, and that's what started the journey of my relationship between me and Sonny. Wow. And, father, yeah. and, and then you wanted to tell this story, and this is a timeless story about basically, I mean, and I don't mean to oversimplify, but good versus evil, um, well, values that, you know, are instilled in us and are, are almost like the prodigal son from the Well, point. yes, but it's not really, you know, I know what you said, and people do say that. They say good versus evil, but the thing that why it's lasted so long is because it's gray versus gray. You see, that's what makes Bronxville ah, so special. Okay. You see, yeah, you see, Bronxville yes. is, is not a gangster movie. I mean, it's not. It's not Goodfellas. It's not The Godfather. Right. Bronxville is a family movie. You see, Sonny was telling me exactly the same things as my father was. Stay in school, go to college, get out of this neighborhood, make something out of yourself. 
You see, exactly the same thing. Mm. But my father was upset and jealous for the fact that I was spending time with him. Also for the fact that I was like, he was afraid I would be influenced by these people and, and what they stood for, and he didn't want that. Wow. And, and you know, it, uh, you're coming to uh, a town when you come, uh, when the show opens Tuesday evening. Yes. And it is... I mean, it could be a story told here. I mean, there are sunnies that I've yes. known uh, in my life, and um, the the sa- the show is selling like wildfire. I have to right. tell you. Um, and uh, we had a little pizza event uh, Tuesday evening as a promotion for the show, and, right. and all the different eateries came out. It was great. Um, but when when you were, and I read this about you, so yes. it's almost like. You were a bouncer in a club. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and 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 you refused entry to this mega Swifty Lazar, the agent. Yes, nineteen yeah in the eighties. Yeah, I was a I was supplementing my acting career as being a bouncer because as any actor does, I I could never be a waiter, but I used to box and I could take care of myself. So I was bouncing in a club and a very swanky Beverly Hills club. And I was all dressed up, you know, and looking nice. And one guy was, just came in and just was very, very nasty. He wanted to get in. He just wasn't very nice, you know. Do you know who I am? The whole thing. And, oh. and I gave him a hard time. And I didn't know who he was, to be honest with you. And, and then he said, you'll be fired in 15 minutes. And I said, yeah, sure. And the guy was Swifty Lazar, who was the biggest agent in the world. And, and it was his party that I was keeping him out of. So uh, I did get fired in 15 minutes, just like he said. And I went home. I sat at the edge of my bed. And I said, what the hell am I going to do? I, I, you know, and I, I said, well, if they won't give me a great part, I'll write one myself. And wow. I started writing, and I started writing about the killing that I saw. And each day I would develop 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and perform it for my theater company. And then finally, at the end of almost a year, I had uh, 90 minutes of this one-man show. And uh, that started the journey. Then when I did it, the first time I did it, I did it. I, it exploded. It became the hottest property in the world. And they wanted it, but they didn't want me. They wanted to put a star in the role, and I refused. Everybody wanted to play the lead in it. Every director, <laughs> actor wanted to do it. And I said no. And they offered me two hundred fifty thousand. I said no. Five hundred. I said no. A million. I said no. I had two hundred dollars in the wow. bank. My hand to God. I had two hundred dollars left in the bank. Then finally one day, I did the show, got upstage. Somebody said, Robert De Niro's in your dressing room. He just saw the show. And I went in my dressing room, and there was Bob. And he was like, wow. He said, that's the greatest one-man show I ever saw. He goes, that's a movie. I said, yeah. And we sat, and he said, look, I'll play your father. I'll direct it. You play Sonny, and you uh, write it. That's what you want. Okay. He goes, and we'll go partners. And that's how it happened. Wow, that's an amazing story, and it, it's also a story about how when you have a vision, and you can make a mistake, and I'll call the mistake with Swifty Lazar, you right. know, where, or where the door closes, let's say it that way, and, but you persevered, and you knew you had something to say right. that other people would want to hear that could um, um, not only be entertaining, but share lessons, life lessons. Right. That's the amazing thing about Bronx Tale, is all the life lessons. Yeah. I mean, they teach Bronx Tale in high schools. They teach the, the story in high schools because... Really? I love oh, that. Yes. 
Yes, there's a book, there's a famous book called The Moral Intelligence of Children by Robert Cole, who's a great child psychologist, and uh, he devotes a chapter to Bronx Tale. Uh, so Bronx Tale is, it's like a story, of, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be humble here, and, and I, but it's like a story for the ages. I mean, it's a huge Absolutely. hit. Bronx Tale is a huge hit dear, in Japan. Japan! <laughs> now you tell me, how could that be? Oh my goodness, that's interesting. I know, I, I don't understand it. Because, but I do because yes. I understand it in a way because when people tell me they're archetypes, these are people that everybody has obviously a mother, a father. Everybody has trouble delineating between what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil, mm-hmm. what's, what's, what you can do, what you can't do. And, and for whatever reason, it's lightning in a bottle. It's lightning in a bottle. You know, Alfred Hitchcock used to say there's only three things you could do to an audience, and if you do two out of three, you're doing great. you got to hit. He says you can make them laugh, you can make them cry, or you could scare them. And in Bronx Tale, we do all three. Yeah. We make you laugh, we make you cry, and we scare you. Uh, it's really an amazing show. I, I, I am so proud of it, and uh, I, I just... You know, obviously, you, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you are like, for the age, you mentioned a story for the ages, and you're right, and you're like one of the storytellers for this age. Um, right. each, each, you know, we had Shakespeare and uh, Chaucer, well. Canterbury Tales, <laughs> and, and, but the thing that makes you all, um, uh, what the thing you have in common is you're telling stories with universal themes yes, that yes. anybody can identify with. So whether you're in Japan or you're in Waterbury, Connecticut, or right. you're in the Bronx, you understand this story. That's exactly correct. And from reading it, you learn something, and you're a better person at the end of it. Yeah. You know, really. I mean, Edward Albee, who is one of my fa- uh, favorite writers, used mm-hmm. to say that if I write a play... And when people leaving the theater, if they're thinking about where they parked their car, I didn't do my job. That's what he said. And and I understood that. And the amazing thing, when people leave the theater, I guarantee it, when people leave the theater, the first thing they do is look where the box office is and buy tickets to see it again because they want to take somebody. (laughs) I love that. That is. And, and isn't that what great theater does, or, or the arts in general? I Absolutely. Mean, they move us, yes. they tell a story, they make us feel, and hopefully bring us closer as people. Yes, absolutely. That's how it started. That's what the great philosophers, the Greeks, started mm-hmm. the theater. And, you know, they would sit around discussing human nature, and then finally they started acting out scenarios in their, you know, what they would talk about. That people realize that's how, and then other people would watch them act the scenarios out, and then they would talk about what they were doing. That's exactly how theater started. Yes, yes. Now I have a question for you, and I'm sure you have thought about this and probably have worked on it. This has been at the forefront for thirty years. This creative process with this show, this story, but I bet you have more stories to tell. Yes. I still write. Yes, I still write. I, I, my other play, Fateful, which uh, I wrote and also became was a big hit play and became a movie, not as well known as A Bronx Tale, mm. but done in 18 countries all over the world. You know, so... Um, wow. And I'm still writing. I'm writing another play now, so I continue to keep writing. And will we see you um, in any other... I mean, many people listening 
if you don't haven't seen the movie of Braxhead, which you must be dead if you haven't, but <laughs> um, <laughs> um, right. also, well, you know, know you from some of your TV appearances and, yeah. and Shorty on Modern Family. Right, and, I'm on a TV show right now. I'm, I'm doing Godfather of Holland with Forrest Whitaker and, oh. Vincent, and Vincent D'Onofrio. It's on at... Oh, uh, I love him! Vincent's love great. Him. <laughs> yeah, Giancarlo Esposito. What a great, great cast, Paul Savino. Uh, oh, 10 o'clock, yeah. 10 o'clock on Epics on Sunday night. Oh, okay. Well, I, I want to, I'm going to tune into that. I want to, I want to check that out because I, okay. uh, every one of those people you mentioned, including yourself, I, I adore as, as actors. And, um, well, thank I just, you. I want to invite you to, um, if, if you ever visit these parts, um, we have some. Oh, fun. I am. I'm going to come there and do the one man show. You are. Uh, oh yes, yes. I'm. I, I wait till the show goes. I, I want the musical to go. You know, after the tour, then uh, I like to go back there as and do the one man show sometimes. Yeah. Oh well. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. My heart's pounding here. Yes. <laughs> That's exciting. But I want to invite you because we have some of the best Italian restaurants, bar none. Uh, I heard, in- and, I, and I am. I'm coming to Waterbury. I'm going to come. Ooh, okay. Well, we'll keep our eye out for you. Yes. Chaz Palminteri, you have been such a delight. I'm so um, just honored that you would take time. I, You have a very busy schedule, so thank you for being on Your Pal is Your Place. We're so looking forward to your show opening Tuesday night, October 22nd. That's this Tuesday, folks. So right. TikTok, get those tickets. Um, Are you going to be there? I there am. Oh, of course. Well, you know what? I'm going to try to make it and see if I can. Oh, we would. Oh my God, we would be honored. So I'm um, going to try to make it. I really all am. right. Well, thank okay. you again for your time. Thank and, you. Um, thank you. And we're going to take just one quick little musical outro with the a Bronx Tale music, and then I'll be back to close our show. So stay tuned. just listening to uh, uh, a number from a Bronx tale which is opening Tuesday night at the Palace Theater 
And we are just so excited. We just um, had a wonderful time chatting with Chaz Palminteri, the creator of the show, who couldn't have been nicer. If you're interested in tickets, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Don't wait to get them. Um, this show is selling like hotcakes, which we kind of knew would be a big seller here. It's a, a newer title, but it's also it's a it's a show that I, we understood just Waterbury would respond to 203-346-2000 is our box office or go to our website palacetheaterct.org we besides a Bronx Tale of course we have many wonderful shows coming this season um, the play that goes wrong is two weeks later followed by Les Mis uh, for a one week engagement December 3rd through the 8th we have our second act series which has some wonderful people this year telling some terrifically engaging and brave stories. You heard Jillian uh, Celentano earlier, um, who's going to be telling her story of her second act when she transitioned from a male to a female. That's on October 29th. We have so much going on, I can't even remember it. And you want to get your tickets from the Arts and Culture Collaborative's very fun night out on November 14th called The Flying Ivories. And that's all about I Have Time For Today. I've been your host, Sherry. I have been your host, Sherry Marcucci. I am your host, Sherry Marcucci. And uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. We'll be back in two weeks. And so I'd like to ask you to stay tuned for your local news coming up next. And then talk of the town with my friend, Steve Noxon. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a wonderful two weeks. Get your tickets for our Bronx Tale today.